Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Wednesday, February the 10th, 2020, and we're continuing our study of the big book in the chapter, More About Alcoholism, on page 36, the second paragraph, Suddenly the Thought. Today's readers are the 12 steps, Patricia C., 12 Traditions, Deborah M., and readers of the text, Hoodie R., Tenzin P., and Lisa B. The share ID for Tuesday, February the 9th, 2020, is 7 a.m. meeting, 16366, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 16368. OA Preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Patricia C. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning. This is Patricia C. from Raleigh, North Carolina. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia C. 
And Deborah M. will read the 12 traditions. Please go ahead, Deborah. Good morning and thank you. This is Deborah M. from Baltimore, Maryland. Sorry. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems with money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those we serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we're resuming our study in the chapter more about alcoholism, page 36, the second paragraph, suddenly the thought. And Hoodie R, could you read for us, please? Good morning, Lynn. This is Hoodie R. Do you hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you. Suddenly the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey in my milk, it couldn't hurt me on a full stomach. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into the milk. I vaguely sensed I was 
not being too, any too smart, but felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. The experiment went so well that I ordered another whiskey and poured it into more milk. That didn't seem to bother me, so I tried another. And um, in this hoodie, are a recovered compulsive overeater in Israel. And um, when, I, when I found out, I was reading this paragraph, and that suddenly, you know, first of all, um, I'm, I'm taught that in, the, in those days when they, the big book was written, italics were very expensive. And so if something is written in italics, it means that it's very, very important. And so to take these words very seriously, these are important words, suddenly the thought crossed my mind. And how often, how many times that suddenly occurs in my mind and I say, oh, suddenly, oh, you know what? Hmm, I've been abstinent for a while. I've been in recovery for a while. So you know what? Now I can make some changes to my food plan. I don't have to follow up 100% all these directions because you know what? I'll be okay. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, there were times prior to that, and I listened to that voice, and um, and then there goes another another couple of years in in relapse because that thought that comes to my mind that this time, oh, you can manage better this time. That thought, you know, just send me for a spiral down downward, and I have to be I have to be really cognizant to that thought. It's I hear in these rooms, you know, it's not that first thought that I'm really nervous about. It's the, the second thought. It's what's the action. What am I going to do after I have that thought? Because you know what? I'm human. The thoughts are going to come. But what actions am I going to take? And this program, these, these 12, with the help of this, uh, of this program and the 12 steps, I have learned another way. I have learned how to deal with those thoughts and not have to take action immediately. On a thought, I take other actions because the thought is what really is what led me down suddenly. So I am so grateful today that I'm in recovery um, and I have these 12 steps that help me to lead me to a better life. And that when that thought comes up, because it will, my, my, my brain is a definitely a bad neighborhood. That thought will come. I have other actions. I have a, a, I have other disciplines that I do on a daily basis that help me to move away from that, from from that thought and take action next, um, in towards the recovery in a healthy way. And um, so that suddenly, I don't have to be scared about that suddenly because I have today's disciplines and uh, and and um, and steps that help me to get out of my thinking that is the problem. And I'm grateful that I have that acceptance that I know what, where the problem lies. I know the solution and I'm pursuing that solution as if my life depends on it because it does. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Hoodie R. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Reva P. Patricia C. This is Larry K. 
Okay, can we stop there for a minute, please? Because I missed a couple of people, and I'll just tell you who I have. I have Reva P, Patricia C, Larry K, and I missed the first two people. Okay, can we stop, please, for a second? I heard Mike M., and there's a lady I keep missing. I'm sorry. Sue M.? Is it Phil M? Yes. Okay. This is who I have. Thank you very much. Whoever I missed, I'm sorry, we'll pick you up on the second turn. I have Reva P, Patricia C, Larry K, Phil M, and Mick M, I believe. Let's go with that lineup, and and we'll pick everybody else up on the second go-round. Good morning, Reva. Good morning. This is Reva P, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Setting my timer. Um, oh, I love this paragraph. I loved it when I first read it because it describes my, what I think is very logical, insane thinking. Um, and I love the word suddenly, quickly, unexpectedly. Really? Really? The paragraphs before are telling me all the things that happen before the suddenly, before my hand is on the fridge, before the food is in my mouth and I'm wondering, how did I get here? Like I was sleepwalking in a trance. Um, And thank you, God, for program and wonderful sponsors and people who have rewound for me the events leading up to the suddenly. Um, This paragraph also reminds me that, again, I am doomed more by that mental uh, twist than the allergy, that mental twist that I have no power of. And you know, reading these paragraphs and all this knowledge and all these memories of how bad it was and how I did it again and again, that knowledge really doesn't help. Um, This is reminding me I have no mental defense and my defense has to come from access to power, which I will only get by the time I'm like getting more through the steps towards step 11. Um, And I love all the eyes. I love how I, in my disease, can now have, um, looking back, a sense of humor, like what I think is logical. And I vaguely sense maybe this wasn't so smart, um, but I did it anyway. And the experiment, you know, experiment is usually done with objectivity and rationale, um, but this is like insane experimentation. So... It's not just the food. You know, I'm suddenly yelling at my husband. I'm suddenly yelling at a service um, provider uh, for my phone. Uh, I'm suddenly, where is that all coming from? And it's the thought, the thought occurred to me. And on page 85, we, I see the opposite of this. I see what happens when I'm working the steps. Um, I realize that the thought is insane and I recoil like a hot flame um, so just a reminder to keep continuing, continuing the 10, 11, and 12 so that I don't end up in a suddenly situation. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Patricia C., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning. This is Patricia C., recovered compulsive overeater in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I'm so grateful to actually be able to share on this. I feel like this is a day that everyone's going to want to share because this paragraph is so good. Um, 
but I think what I wanted to share on was um, how shocked I was to finally relate to the thinking. Um, I've been kind of in and out of the rooms for about 10 years. Um, and then last year was the first time I ever actually got through all the steps, the first time I was actually recovered. Um, and so I think before I was very focused on the food behaviors and the, the food and all that stuff around that. Um, and, and that's obviously part of it, right? Because <laughs> we are overeaters anonymous. But um, this time it was like, oh, it's, it just clicked. It was like, it's more than the things. It's the thinking. And suddenly I realized when people were sharing, it wasn't just what they were doing with food that I could relate to. It was how they were thinking that I could relate to. And like things that I'd never told anyone about the way that I think um, and was ashamed of. And I realized, oh, like that's not normal. But at the same time, here's a group of people who think that same way as I do. And, um, and they have a solution, which is just like such a miracle. But um, I think it's just so great to read this paragraph. You know, I mean, how many times have I been here? You know, oh, yeah, I know I have a problem with white sugar. But you know what? Suddenly it occurred to me, maybe raw sugar. Maybe I wouldn't have a problem with that. So I eat a cookie. And you know what? I feel fine. I, I could have another one. Oh, you know, I still feel fine. I don't. I don't feel like bad. Yeah, I can have another one. And then, of course, I've eaten the whole batch. But um, anyway, I really appreciate you all letting me share and being a part of this group. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Patricia C. Um, it's Larry K. followed by Phil M. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks so much for your service. Larry K. recovered uh, compulsive reader from the Chicago area. You know, when I think of this paragraph, for me, it reminds me that, you know, seeking a thrill in the face of the, the hopelessness of, of this disease is dangerous. I don't know what this guy was doing, but, but that's what it reminds me of. And it, it also reminds me um, of my cousin. I'm going to tell you about my cousin. When he was 17, uh, he lost all his hair due to something called alopecia, if you've ever heard of alopecia. And I remember it was years and years ago, he, he, he would say to himself that, you know, it can't get any worse. And then, and then it did get worse. And he'd lose more of his hair. And he would say to himself, you know, it's going to grow back. And then it wouldn't. And his hair got thinner and thinner. And then it was basically gone, all his hair. Every bit of his hair was gone within six months at 17 years of age. And I, I remember him telling me that it felt like his life was on hold, you know. Like he could, he he just couldn't face what was happening, and and he was uh, ready to drop out of high school and isolate himself, and he he kept hoping and hoping and hoping, you know, it would change, and he wouldn't talk about it, and he 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 pretended for a time it wasn't happening, and then you know at one point he realized he simply had to face the facts that his hair was not going to grow back, it was it was hopeless. And it was time to move on. And I remember him getting a wig. Now, he doesn't wear a wig now, but he got a wig. He enrolled in college and he moved on and it was liberating. You know, sometimes the most courageous thing to do for me is to say, you know what? I'm absolutely powerless over the circumstance and face that bravely so I, I can get on with the work to let God's love come in here. And, you know, when I think from below the line, embracing hopelessness looks like giving up, you know? But from above the line, it actually points us to like an unconditional love. 
And when I stop fighting against that which I have no control over, when I admit that I'm powerless, that's precisely the moment when divine, interve- divine intervention moves in, you know. That's when God takes the reins. And I think, you know, I can't work the steps until I know that I'm utterly hopeless. I'm going to look for another bright idea. I need God's, God to take the reins. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Philomena M., it's your turn, followed by Mike M. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, and thank you for calling me. Thank you so much for your service and all the team today. Um, I'm Phil. I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from uh, Northern Ireland, Kite Fergus. And um, this guy had such a great plan, and, you know, like him, I had a great plan. Um, to celebrate my 50th birthday, I was going with two friends to Italy, and uh, one of the friends had uh, booked us into a nice cream-making session, and uh, I thought, right, okay, well, I'm not going to miss out on the ice cream I'm making, so I'll have the ice cream, and I'll come back, and I'll get back on program. Um, And when I was there, I didn't just have that ice cream, I had several others, um, and I came back and uh, didn't get back on plan, surprisingly enough to me. Um, I was abstinent, but I wasn't recovered, and uh, followed five and a half years of relapsing, slipping, sliding, breaking my heart, praying, um, but not being ready. Anyway, this changed um, when I went back to Italy again to celebrate my 60th birthday in 2019, and I was desperate to be abstinent. It was with my children and their partners, and I knew it would be a misery if I wasn't. So uh, my sponsor kindly gave me a call a week before, and that led to me getting abstinent. And I was so happy. I was 261 pounds at 16 and a half stone, really heavy at arthritis. I had got through uh, quite strong cancer treatment. I was depressed. I had double incontinence, reflux, totally antisocial, which isn't really the real me at all. Um but when I when I got that week's abstinence, it just you know my my mood changed entirely, and all these things have improved incredibly. Absolutely, I don't have arthritis problems anymore. It's awesome. So I had a really happy happy time. But I came back, and the fear of sponsoring sent me back into the food after three months when I then qualified to sponsor. Uh, but God had something in hand, and I got a vision sponsor at that point in September 2019. The instructions for sponsoring and being sponsored were very clear-cut. Today, I have the honour of having walked with 12 sponsees through the programme, which is just miraculous for me. I love myself, and I love others as well. Um, And I keep finding new ways to connect with my higher power, who I consider to be my mother, father, God. I am very, very grateful to this program for the change in my life. And uh, it's a thrill for me to spread the message um, in other OA messages about vision and about what I have found. And I'm just so grateful for you all here for trudging this path of happy destiny with me. Thank you so much. With that, I pass. Thank you, Phil M. And Nick M., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Nick. Hi, this is Mike from Dallas, Texas. 
I'm so grateful to be able to share this morning on this. You know, I've, I've read this story many times, and <clears throat> this morning when it was being read, it, for some reason it hit me differently. Um, and and that therein lies why I'm so grateful to be able to share this morning. As I was listening, I started thinking, is this, is this really real? Is this person really real? This is This is a little bit crazy. I mean, this guy is eating sandwiches and drinking milk, and he's ordering whiskey, and he's pouring whiskey in his milk. Who does that? That's crazy. That is crazy. And so I started to even doubt that the stories in the big book were real until all of a sudden my higher power said, hold on. That's one of your character defects. You compare yourself to others, and you are no different. You've done the same thing. It would be no different if someone looked at you and said, okay, this guy has a food plan, and he takes another bite of something else, or he, he, he decides he's going to add something to his food plan when he's already got his day planned out. So for me, this story goes back to step one. It is the powerlessness that I have and the hopelessness that I have because I've lost all control over the food. Um, I'm so thankful and grateful that the story doesn't stop there, and this is not just a one-step program, right? Because we have a power that's greater, and, and it just brings me back to we have a power that's greater, a higher power that can and will take this from us. And that these people in this book are real, and I'm real, and each one of us are real. And so I'm thankful to be here this morning to be able to share that with each of you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Mike M. And for those of us who may have joined us a little bit later, we are continuing our study of the chapter More About Alcoholism on page 36, the second paragraph, Suddenly the Thought. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others can share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once, as it does help me hear everybody. So I heard Charles H. Who else? Vivi T. Amy G. Jen A. Let me tell you who I did hear, please. I heard Charles H. Vinnie T. Sorry, my alarm's going off. There we go. Charles H., Vinnie T., Bernadette, Jen A. Who did I miss? Anne-Marie M. Somebody M. Was that Anne-Marie? Yes. And is I have room for one more. Ross M. Okay, great. This is who I heard this time, and my apologies to those whose names I didn't quite get. Charles H., Vinnie T., Bernadette, Jen A., Anne-Marie M., and Russ M. Charles, please go ahead. Thank you, Lynn, for your service. Um, So suddenly the thought crossed my mind. He's not the only person in this chapter that says suddenly. Um, Fred also, 
uh, stated that. And, you know, I could identify with Jim, too. I was embarrassed my first time going to an OA meeting. So I could imagine him telling Bill, yo, um, my, just say my name is Jim. Um, my name is really Ralph Furlong. Just say my name is Jim, and his story is in the first edition. And reading his story and listening to the shares as we go along, you know, it makes a lot of sense. He sounded like um, Fred. Both of their stories is in the first edition. He sounded he sounded he sounded crazy. He sounded like like me, um, and I so identify with him. Like just suddenly, these things happen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These these people were all four of these characters were um, they were real, and and Jim was embarrassed. That's why he said, "Yo," he probably said, "I wasn't there." He probably said, "Bill, you know, you can put my story in here. You can put my story in this powerful chapter, but don't." Just call me Jim. <laughs> Just call me Jim so they won't know it was me. And, you know, in reading his story, another prodigal, um, whatever, I don't remember the last name, but he was like, um, you know, I, I think if we talked about the Tuesday thing. He just came out of a rehab, and then his friend took him to a meeting. So, uh, And then he lived 150 miles away from Charlestown's hospital. So, you know, that's probably why he came to work Tuesday. You guys hit it on the nail. But it was, you know, to look at, his story was very short, just like Fred's story was short. His story is called uh, A Different Slant, just a page and a half. But the insanity was definitely there. So I just wanted to um, be like my grand sponsor and give you a little history. I'm so proud of my grand sponsor and his knowledge. Don't knock him for his knowledge. He helps us every single day. And I'm standing on that. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Charles H. Vinny T., it's your turn, followed by Bernadette. Good morning, Vinny. Uh, thank you for hearing me, and thank you all of Team Wednesday for your service. Uh, this is Vinny T., living in recovery in North Carolina. And um, I, what came to mind um, with the mental twist is, and, and I'm really... Um, in recovery, you know, my my feelings kind of give me an alert. And I just think of them, you know, um, as, you know, like danger, danger, Will Robinson, you know. And when I get that feeling, um, you know, I, I have to stop and, and, and look around and figure out what's going on. So, you know, I think that's the mental twist for me. And, and um, I think that, um, you know, as long as I'm, practicing these steps, I hear that voice or I hear, you know, I feel that feeling. And um, so far it's protected me. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Vinny T. And Bernadette, it's your turn, followed by Jen A. And can we have the initial of your last name, please, Bernadette? Okay. My name is Bernadette and um, I've recovered from uh, this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And uh, the the thing that I always, uh, I love the squigglies, I love the italics, and what caught my, my attention today is not so much the suddenly as the I vaguely sensed I was not being too smart. I vaguely sensed that um, it calls me to pause when I vaguely sensed Something's not quite right. I sponsor people. You know, where is God in this picture? How does God look in this picture? I vaguely sense 
I was not being too smart. When I have a sense that seems vague or not quite right, it's that it's the moment for the pause. It's the moment for me to listen. What does God have to say for? And of course, at this moment, He's just giving us the I vaguely sense I was not being too smart. But I went ahead and I drank it anyway. I went ahead and poured it. If I can pause with the vague, once I vaguely sense, I might not be doing the smartest thing here. It's a moment of pause. It, it requires me to, to look away from what I'm actually actively doing and even looking away from it. If I, if I just back away for a minute, it's everything. It gives me that time that I need to take that deep breath and do whatever I need to do, whether it's make a call or, I, you know, whatever I would do. And I, I can tell you that um, that vague sense is, is God who lives deep down within. And I do believe that he continues to tap on that little window and he keeps calling, Bernadette, over this way. Look over this way. Come along, face this way. And I turn around and I face the light. And, um, and so that's all I wanted to share. Thank you so much for your service. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bernadette. Jen A., it's your turn, followed by Anne-Marie M. Good morning, Jen. Good morning to you, Lynn. This is Jen A., recovered um, in Colorado this morning. And um, more about alcoholism and whiskey in the milk. How does that apply to a compulsive overeater like me? Um, And I love it when somebody in OA in whom the problem had been solved explained this paragraph more on a level that I could understand it as a compulsive overeater. Um, you see, I don't know about you, but, but what sticks out here is um, I felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey or the whatever it was on a full stomach. Um, and so for me, um, somebody explained this to me pretty clearly. You know, um, I was the kind of girl who said, oh, you know, I came into OA eating really healthy. And um, I wasn't eating white sugar and flour. So if everybody said that those are the two ingredients that they were allergic to, ha, one and done. I've got this thing. I'm just going to sit here, listen to what you say, um, come to these meetings, do these steps, get a sponsor, and I'll be fine. Well, that wasn't the case for me um, because there was other ingredients um, that I was allergic to that I was still ingesting. It was kind of like the whiskey and the milk, and the lady explained that to me. You know, I was um, eating things with dates in them. It's not white flour sugar, but the sugaring, uh, the sugar amount of sugar in there was triggering me and wanting, and then I would go out and binge more, okay? I was eating things that were quote-unquote gluten-free, um, and it didn't have white flour, but it had brown rice flour, coconut flour, all these other flours in it. And you know what? Once it passes down through my throat, my body as a compulsive overeater does not understand what kind of sugar, what kind of flour, what kind of X, Y, and Z it is. If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, I've been told it's a duck. So this paragraph helped me really to, to figure that out because um, I kept eating things with dates in them or I kept eating kind bars with honey and other things, not white sugar, okay? Um, I wasn't eating ones with chocolate, just the one with caramel. I was going to be okay. But the more and more I kept eating them, just like the more and more he put the whiskey in the milk, the more and more that desire for more became amplified and magnified. And guess what? I didn't get satisfied. I just wanted more. And it might not have been another kind bar, but it was something else and something else and something else, and it led me back into a binge. This story helps me get really clear. 
I can't eat my alcoholic substances or my ingredients in my food at all. Not third ingredient, not 10th ingredient, not 25th ingredient. If I'm truly allergic to something, I cannot have it. I'm so grateful for the compulsive overeater that shared that with me and how I can apply this story in this way. So how do I get away from this mental blank spot and not even wanting to do that anymore? I got to do these steps. I got to lean into God. I got to, you know, pray like hell that somehow I get this neutrality, which I have today. Thank you, God, and stay spiritually fit. And so I'm so grateful, and I'm grateful for this guy, Jim, and um, I'm also thankful for the woman in Overeaters Anonymous who pointed out what this really means to me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you, Jen A. Anne-Marie M., it's your turn, followed by Russ M. Please go ahead, Anne-Marie. Good morning, Lynn. Uh, This is Anne-Marie M. uh, in South Carolina. uh, Grateful to be recovering uh, as a compulsive overeater. This is my most favorite story, the one that I relate to the most. And I was just so happy to hear that it was not a fictional story. Someone had told me that it was, um, you know, a fictional story. So I was so glad to hear that this was a real, real person because he acted just like I did or I acted just like he did. And what I've learned and what I am practicing now is that pause. And that has helped me so much. So staying in touch with my um, higher power has helped me to um, have that pause and also staying in contact with God. I don't have, I can't remember the last time I thought, you know, maybe I can get away with this. You know, um, you know, this is, this is raw sugar. I, I, you know, I'm just allergic to uh, real sugar, you know, um, those thoughts um, haven't come to my mind. And I really believe that it is because I have been practicing my 11th step, practicing staying in contact with God and um, enriching, you know, my, my spiritual life. Uh, and that has made such a big difference for me. I, too, so many times, like so many other people have said, just, just thought, I can just have one. I remember being in in the break room and watching, you know, my my coworkers grab a handful of of uh, M&Ms and go on their way and they're, the rest of the day they're fine and I thought, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And you know, be- before I knew it, I was in in a in the bathroom uh shoving uh cupcakes down my throat. Um so it doesn't work for me like it works for um people that don't have this allergy. I have this allergy. And I need to be reminded it every every day. I need to listen to the people um, on in OA. I need to continue going to OA meetings to hear um, what happens to people who don't follow this program. Because um, you know, I um, I have a, a built-in forgetter. I remember my very first sponsor said that I had a built-in forgetter, and I didn't understand what that meant. But I do now, and I'm just grateful that I am staying close to my God, praying every day, and um, and doing the work. So I'll pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Anne-Marie M. Russ M., it's your turn, followed by Amy G. Good morning, Russ. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, fellas. Russ M. Recover, compulsive overeater outside of Philly. So when I, I read this passage... I think of how real smart I am, how intelligent I am and humble that 
for 40 years, I thought that I could outsmart this thing, that I thought my thinking was going to cure this disease. Every trick in the book, you know, I tried it all. And, you know, my shares are basically the same, Captain, obviously over here, but the bottom line is this. It stole everything from me. Hey, it's sugar-free, or it's a new workout. Oh, it's this and that. It's all horse, it's malarkey. It's baloney. And I didn't know until I was on the brink of losing everything how sick I truly was, because I'm wired this way. This is who I am. This disease, that's what it is, neurologically, spiritually, physically. I got to be broken. I had to be broken. So all I could do was pick up these steps, work this program, and trust God. That was it. And when I see Jim, I see Russ. I see this very arrogant know-it-all. And until I was chopped down, until I... Not even humble, humiliated. I had to be humiliated. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because uh, I'm being restored. And it's only through God, this program, and my, and my fellows here. So I had to surrender. That's To me, that's what, what it was. I don't know about anyone else. I could just speak for myself. And, you know, I had to be broken to surrender. And there was my strength. Kind of like Lara was saying. In our weakness, we are strong. And when I when I gave up, that's when I, 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 I had a regular life. So y'all have a great day. Love you very much. Bye. Thank you, Russ M. Amy G., it's your turn. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Uh, thank you, everyone, for an awesome, awesome meeting. I'm so glad this paragraph is in italics because, tell you, it's just a I'm so grateful because it tells us so clearly of what the thinking and what the mental twist is of this disease. I mean, this is the only disease that tells you you don't have a disease. When I look about here, I vaguely sense I was not being too smart, but felt reassured. How many times did I reassure myself in my sick thinking, you know, because my sick mind was telling me that it was okay, that the best idea I had all day was to reassure myself that it was okay, it wouldn't hurt me this time that that one extra bite wouldn't hurt me this time, or that sugar-free food wouldn't hurt me this time, and then off I would be onto a binge. That is the, the scary part of this disease is that I cannot think my way out of it. Human intellect, knowledge, willpower, prior experience is not sufficient to combat my disease. I mean, this big book talks about the fact that we have a dilemma, a lack of power, and the purpose of this book is to find that power. And that, that's what I need. I need a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity or else the food will call regardless of my emotional state. You know, we've been talking a lot about Jim and how he felt about before picking up the, that idea about putting whiskey in the milk and, and how he had nervous disposition. Well, we're going to go a couple paragraphs down the road here. and We're going to find out that Fred had a beautiful day and nothing was not a cloud on the horizon and he still picked up a drink. For me, this disease is so cunning and baffling that regardless of my emotional state or any at all, I will manufacture a reason because of this mental twist to put the food on, in my mouth. I mean, I haven't cornered, we as compulsive readers have not cornered the market on restless irritable and discontent. 
We can't live in this crazy world and not have circumstances and emotions all over the freaking place. But the difference is, is that I am the one that chooses because of my mental twist to put that food in my mouth as my response. And I need to remember that and not put the cart before the horse. I am a compulsive overeater because of that mental twist and the physical allergy. The mental twist drives me there, and the physical allergy keeps me there. And thank God we have these steps because here they nail them for me. They nail it in the coffin. They say, this is it. I'm done. I'm powerless. But now I have God in these 12 steps, my higher power. I can tap into that source. But I have to be willing to do the work. And it first comes to surrender. I have to choose to surrender to my powerlessness. That regardless of situation, regardless of emotions, I'm going to pick up that food. I'm going to always find an insane reason and then reassure myself that it's okay to do it. That's the insanity of this disease. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. We have time for three more shares. Who would like that time? Rick J. Linda D. I heard Rick J. and Linda D. Is there someone else? Darian K. Great. Okay, Rick J., please go ahead. Uh, good morning, Lynn. Um, oh, this gosh, is Rick Lynn. J. I am a uh, recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. And uh, and certainly not cured, and that's the thing I have to remember. And I loved all the shares this morning. And one thing I was thinking about was um, how how Jim's story would have been a little different if he had enlarged his spiritual life, if he was uh, you know working with this sponsor and going through the steps and continuing to to stay connected to his higher power and to have his chronic alcoholic mind transformed into that of a recovered mind who knows that he has a daily reprieve. And I see this, this scenario of, you know, him driving down the road and, you know, and he's, he's got so much going on, you know, I mean, he, he had a a pretty easy life. It sounds like inheriting this, this uh, very successful automotive firm and, you know, and he was in the war, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, his drinking has taken him to a place where he had to be committed into an asylum, and he lost his business. He's back there, you know, and he's got all this stuff where, you know, this resentment uh, is is stirring up. And, and I, I imagine, Jim, suddenly the thought came to mind that I should call my sponsor, you know, and uh, because that's what I'm doing differently now. I know how vulnerable I am. I have to pick up the phone. I have to say what's going on. I have to continue to watch out for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. I have to continually keep connected with God and my understanding all the time. I have to carry the message. These are the things that keep me away from a disease that's alive inside of me. But I have to have the power that's greater than me, stronger than the desire to eat again, you know, that, um, that first compulsive bite, it's the last stage, you know, that restlessness, irritability, discontentedness that's going to be there can take me to that first bite, but I have to, to do the spiritual actions that work. And I am a resistor. I am an isolator. I'm a disconnector. So I have a tendency to resist the things that work. I start isolating in my own head. I start disconnecting 
And once I'm in a spiritual disconnect, that's the first step of a relapse for me. And I have to immediately reconnect through step 10. I have to immediately continue to strengthen that connection with my higher power so I'm not vulnerable. I have to continue to carry that message and be transparent and, and be in that language of the heart fellowship that keeps me um, connected to, to God like nothing else. And so Jim is my brother. I love Jim. Love Fred. Um, I, I can so relate. And uh, anyway, that with that, I pass. Thank you, Rick J. Linda D., it's your turn. Good morning, Linda. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. in Connecticut. So grateful, very, very grateful to be here and to be abstinent and recovered for a while. Um, the shares have been. Astonishing, just wonderful. Appreciate y'all so much. I cannot do this without you. Um, somebody, I'm going to borrow some phrases that I heard today. Uh, uh, a disease that is alive inside of me. Uh, that's true. But there's something else that's alive inside of me, and that is a higher power. And I know that now. I couldn't have cared. Two hoots when I came in. I didn't. I was an atheist. And damn proud of it. Such a smart ass. And um, that didn't get me anywhere except uh, trying to figure out how to hang from uh, one of the timbers in my cellar. The timbers are still there, and I'm not hanging from them. And that's a miracle. Um, I have to remember suddenly because... Life happens, and it's noisy, and sometimes it's ugly, and it's damn scary. But as long as I cling to the principles in this book, which are face the truth, Linda, you're self-destructive. I have a whole history of self-sabotage. That is a nice way to say self-hating, self-destructive. Uh, and I better pay attention. I love what I heard about I love myself and I love others. That's the end result of following these steps, this big book, and all of you. I must learn from you every day. Otherwise, suddenly, wow, suddenly could be there. It's right at the end of my arm. So thanks a lot. I appreciate you all. Bye-bye. Thank you, Linda D. And Darian K., it's your turn. Good morning, Darian. Oh, good morning, Lynn. Hi, this is Darian K. Um, from the Berkshires in Massachusetts, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, oh, my gosh, the shares are so good. Um, <laughs> I heard something, and I have no idea why I'm clinging to it, but it just was, it just made me chuckle and then pause. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was today. It was, I think, a day or two ago someone said, I'll show me, and I've never heard any. I've never heard that before. Instead of I'll show you, I'll show me, and I feel like that's the story right here. It's like okay, I'll I'll you know dabble in this and see what it does. Um, and yeah, suddenly I don't know. Um, that's the thought maybe, but like they say, the food is the last to go. Um, he had a lot of things leading up to. Obviously, the um, the actual action of picking up the drink. 
And, um, you know, that I know my, my sponsors in the past always used to tell me, what is your motive? What is your motive for being in a certain place or doing a certain thing? Now, you need to think about what your motive is. And, um, you know, I think, you know, this person probably thought maybe his motives were pure and he wanted to, I think that that was expressed in the way that these words come through, you know, with suddenly and only a little this and it's milk. How pure is milk, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I um, I have to be so vigilant and so careful about what how my mind reacts to things and my self-talk um, because I convinced myself over and over and over again, you know, um, that food wasn't a big deal, that I could get back on the stick on Monday, that I could do whatever I needed to do. And, you know, I failed miserably. So, um, yeah, this is a warning. I loved someone that said, you know, warning, warning, Will Smith. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's that it's definitely a warning sign for me that I need to be as vigilant as I was yesterday. You know, I can't depend on yesterday's tools and steps and the work that I did. I need to do just as much with just as much vigor um, and enthusiasm and like my life depends on it today for me to stay stocked. Um, this disease is kind of baffling, powerful and a slow killer. You know, it's going to just slowly take me out if I allow it to. And so for today, um, I'm going to do the things that work. Um, so thank you all for being there, and I pass. Thank you, Darian Kay. Thank you to everyone who shared, and thank you to Team Wednesday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Wednesday, February the 10th, 7 a.m. meeting, is 163. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Tenzin P. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. Fantastic meeting. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him each in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.